0: Next, the golden days of radio.
1: This is Frank Brzee inviting you to join me for the golden days of radio. Great moments from radio programs of the past, headlining some of the world's most famous personalities. On this program, we are featuring Doris Day... Comedian Jack Kirkwood, Eddie Cantor, plus Edward G. Robinson and Claire Trevor in Big Town. In 1944, Doris Day was a vocalist with Les Brown's Band of Renown. Here she is on the Victory Parade of Spotlight Bands, singing one of the top tunes of the day.
0: Yes, sir, the Saturday Night Spotlight is underway to the music of Les Brown. Doris Day sings, I Dream of You.
2: To you, this love is real. You mean to me more than you mean to be. You just can't seem to see.
1: kirkwood came to radio from vaudeville and was an instant hit announcer jimmy wallington introduces jack kirkwood and lillian lee in one of their sketches from the madhouse little theater
0: today the
3: madhouse comedy drama and gin rummy players present another stirring chapter in the life of the eminent dr kirkwood As today's episode opens, the doctor and his ever-faithful nurse are in surgery... ...discussing two different methods of performing the delicate operation that lies before them. <laughs> the nurse speaks. Shh. Listen.
4: Doctor, I'm sure I'm right about this.
3: Well, I think you're wrong, but I'll try it your way just this once. Sponge. Sponge. Scalpel.
4: Scalpel. Careful, doctor. This is the most crucial point in the operation.
3: I know. That's the disadvantage of your method... One's slipping us all over. Ah. There. I still think it's easier to open a champagne bottle with a corkscrew. Come in.
0: Hey, Doc, I got awful pains. Look... I got acute appendicitis.
3: Oh, come, come. No bragging.
0: You're nuts. I'm getting out of here. Oh,
3: no, you don't. Nurse, bolt the door. Come now, little jump. Let's get started.
0: No, no, no. You'll have to catch me
3: first. I wish you wouldn't make me chase you around the room. This floor's slippery. With all these windows, you might fall through one. No, no, no. no I won't. I tell you, you don't know this place. Those windows go all the way to the floor. You're going to slip and fall through one of huh? them. I am not. Yes, I can.
2: Oh.
3: <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs>
4: Why did you chase him, Doctor? You have too much business already. I know, but
3: I like to get all the practice I can. I'm going to do a big thing for the medical profession.
4: Oh? When are you quitting? The
3: day after tomorrow. I resent that. <laughs> Always belittling me. Every time I fish for a compliment, I don't even get my worm back.
4: Oh, by the way, Doctor, I gave that patient in 302 the new medicine you invented. Ah,
3: yes, my new preparation, Dunits.
4: <laughs> yeah, that's it. But well, where did you ever get a name like that? You won't tell? no.
3: It's stinkweed spelled backwards. <laughs> How did it work on the patient? Did it straighten him out?
4: I'll say he's stiff as a poker.
3: Well, I'm sure my newest medicine will work. It's terrific. There's just one little thing about it I don't know yet.
4: Oh dear, what is it this time? A brand
3: new vitamin pill containing one million units of vitamin B one, two million units of vitamin B twenty nine.
4: I never heard of vitamin B twenty nine. What does it do? Uh,
3: that's the one little thing I don't know yet. But it makes the pills awful pretty. Yeah, pardon me. Hello, Kirkwood Clinic. Anyone who's rich as creases, we just love to take to pieces. Our
4: doctor, this is Mrs. Tessie Truebucket. Hello, Tess. How is my grandson getting along?
3: Oh, you mean the little fellow with the high fever?
4: That's right, the fever of 150.
3: Oh, he's wonderful. I'm keep- keeping him down in the cellar. He makes the peachiest furnace.
4: In the cellar? Yeah. You send him home right
3: away. Oh, all right. Come in. <clears throat>
4: How you do? Hello, Doctor. Did you say something? I said hello. Oh, I'm glad. <laughs> that. I
3: said No, hello. I, I heard you the first oh, time, but I, and I wasn't that, I didn't believe it. Say, I don't like your looks.
4: Well, I didn't come here to be admired. Oh. <laughs> I I want an examination.
3: Oh, a smarty pass, eh? Well, stick out your tongue. Ah? Uh, Father. Uh, uh, Father. Uh, let me help you I'll pull mm. Okay nurse Roll it up And put it back in his mouth Looks <laughs> like a Venetian blind anyway And give him the anesthetic nurse Oh my Good he's dead to the world <laughs> Let's see now First I'll cut right uh, here And take out his appendix That ought to be easy mm. Ah here it is ah.
4: Doctor that's not his appendix
3: He got it isn't it? that but that's where the appendix always has been. <clears throat> what do you know? I got him wrong side up.
4: <laughs> well,
3: no use turning him over now.
4: Goodness, Doctor, I just remembered. You have a girdle fitting in five minutes. Oh, so
3: I have. Well, I'll just throw him back together in a hurry. Let's see now. This piece goes here. And uh, this thing fits in here. Or is it there? Mm-hmm. Oh, gone. This is worse than a jigsaw puzzle.
4: The patient doesn't look very good, Doctor. Oh,
3: fish-tosh, he's all right. I'll just throw him up now. Doesn't take me long, you see. There you are. Well, little chum, wake up. I said wake up. The operation's over.
4: Doctor, he isn't even stirring.
3: He better get up or I'll charge him overtime. <laughs> oh, wait, I know. I'll bring him to you with one of my new vitamin pills. Here's one right here. Now pry his mouth open, nurse.
4: Very well, doctor.
3: A oil, I think. Mm, dark in there, isn't it? Well, i just drop in the pill.
4: Why, that pill's as big as a pool ball. How will you get it down his throat?
3: Easy. Hand me that plunger, nurse. Thank you. Now I just put the plunger over his mouth like this and push.
4: Oh, the pill's going down his throat. Sure is. With all those vitamins in it, it ought to do something.
3: Yeah, but I'm still puzzled about what that B-29 is for.
4: Uh, Where am I? It's working. It's working. Bring on Popeye. We're Superman? I dare him to knock a chip off my shoulder. Doctor, he's floating right up off the table. He sure is. Where's that noise coming from?
3: I don't know. It sounds like it's coming from inside his stomach. Contact!
4: He's dead. He's starting to fly. There we go. He went right through the roof.
3: Yeah, well, at last I found out what V... might have been B-29 does anyway. You know? <laughs>
1: Big Town was the story of Steve Wilson, editor of the Illustrated Press, a crusading newspaper. Here's one of the programs from 1938.
3: From Hollywood, California, the makers of Rinzo present a condensed version of one of the dramatic exposés of Big Town, starring Edward G. Robinson with Claire Trevor and the music of Fran Fry. In the story of Big Town, Steve Wilson, the managing editor of the Illustrated Press, is played by Edward G. Robinson. Lorelei, the society editor, is played by Claire Trevor. As our scene opens, we find Steve and Lorelei in the anteroom of the mayor's office at the city hall on newspaper business. I said to myself this morning, says I, what you need, Steve Wilson, is a little chat with the mayor. Well, very friendly of you, Steve, with the election coming along. Frankly, I didn't know you felt that way about us out here. Now, the Illustrated Press is every man's friend until he gives us reason not to be. Hmm. I won't take any more than a couple of minutes, Mr. Mayor. I've heard you're intending to veto the North End Park Ordinance. Is that true? Well, now, Steve, I haven't really considered all the factors involved. That means you're going to veto it. Steve, I think you can understand that as a public official, I must do my duty as I see it. Your duty to whom, Your Honor? To Jack Starr, who you think will turn his North End voting machine against you if you allow the Park Commission to tear down his rat nest? Or to the sun-starved women and children of the North End, stunted and diseased for lack of room to breathe and play. Well, tonight, I don't allow any man to come in here and talk to me like that. Well, this is one man you're going to listen to, Your Honor, and like it. The city voted the bonds for that park six months ago, and the park commission is ready to make Star a fair offer for his property without a cent of graft in it. It's time that sinkhole where Star keeps his colony of vote stealers and cutthroats was cleaned out. Yes, and it's time the kids of that neighborhood had a park to play in instead of the streets... Now, I'm giving you fair warning. If you're afraid of Starr, you say so, and the illustrated press will fight your battle for you and run Starr into the river where he belongs. But if you've made a deal with him, I warn you, the ward speeches and civic hypocrisy that you turn on so well won't save you. You get Get out out of here! Well, I'll give you one chance to save your hide. I'll hold up that story until 10 o'clock tonight. If I don't hear from you by that time, I'm going to print it. Now, take it over, Mr. Mayor. Good day. Hello. Get Jack star for me on that private wire. Ah, oh, this is a fine mess with election coming on. Oh, hello, Jack. This is the mayor. Listen. Pick up Warwick at the Chronicle and come down here right away. It's very important. What? It's Steve Wilson. Just left here. Says he's going to make it hot for us. Hurry over. Oh, hello, Jack. Hello, Warwick. Uh, you took plenty of time getting here, Jack. I told you it was important. Oh, calm down. Just because that windbag Wilson throws a bluff, you get all on the ladder. It wasn't any bluff, Jack. He gave me till 10 tonight to say I won't veto the North End Park, or he's going to open up on all three of us. You weren't sap enough to let him throw a scare into you. Well, to tell you the truth, Warwick, I was just wondering. Wait a minute. Who put you into this office and kept you here? You're going to play ball with me, or aren't you? You don't veto that attack on my property? But I'll... Wilson's campaign will turn the whole town against us, Jack. Not after the town reads my editorial this morning. Not a good that skimmed milk editorial will do. Now look here. There's nothing to worry about. Take my word for it. Nobody in this town is going to see a single copy of the Illustrated Press tomorrow. Yeah, just what's your idea, Star? Just wait and see. Who has? Talk sense, Fletcher. What do you mean? The circulation department hasn't been able to make a delivery this morning. Five of our trucks have been run off the road and turned over. We've got eight men in the hospital. They've dumped our street additions into the sewer and slugged a lot of the boys. Yeah? I've been trying to get the police commissioner, but I can't reach him. Well, forget the commissioner. He's just the mayor's stooge. So this is what the mayor had up his sleeve. Now, listen, Fletcher. Uh, What's the name of that one honest copper in the 5th Precinct? Uh, Captain Swanson. Well, tell him I want a man on every truck. Phone the DA's office and tell him if the police can't protect us, I'll call him for a brigade of deputies from the sheriff's office Tell the press room I want a complete reprint with front page makeover for late bulletins.
2: Steve, Steve, I've got to tell you something. Well,
3: what's the matter, Lorelei?
2: That freckle-faced newsboy at Fawson Dearing. You know, the one you promised to make a reporter when he grows up? Yes. Well, he's just been found behind a billboard at the corner with a fractured skull and a a blackjack on the ground near him.
3: What? Fractured skull? Yes. Blackjack? Say, where is he now, Lorelai?
2: At the Garden Memorial Hospital.
3: What'd you say was his name?
2: Jimmy Belden.
3: Oh, Yes. Yes, that's it. Every time I pass that corner, I talk to him. Yeah, I like that kid. He was as sharp as a whistle. Miss Foster. Yes, Mr. Wilson. Get Dr. Addison. and tell him to go right over to the Garden Memorial Hospital. I want him to take care of a patient there, a little boy named Jimmy Belton. What's the verdict, Doc? Can't tell yet. We've done our best. Shocks what I'm afraid of. Uh, doctor. Yes, nurse. A quarter of a brain.
2: Look, Steve. He's opened his eyes. Yes, Jimmy? Tell. Tell Steve Wilson.
3: Here I am, Jimmy. Now, don't try and talk. Don't try. Now, just rest. You're doing fine.
2: Steve. I hope this won't,
4: won't make no difference. Being a reporter.
3: Now, don't you worry about that. I'm saving that job for you.
4: Thanks, Steve.
3: Another life, Steve.
2: He's gone, Steve. He's gone.
3: Yeah, poor little kid. He'd have made a swell reporter. Oh, uh, nurse. Nurse, is your phone here?
2: Yes, right in the corridor, Mr. Wilson.
3: Thank you. This is Steve Wilson. Uh, give me the desk. Hello, Fletcher. Yeah, boss. Uh, the kid died. Plain case of murder. Tell McNeely, to give it the works. Parents, school record, everything. Oh, yes, and uh, send someone out to his house. We're taking care of the funeral. Right, Chief. What are you going to do, Steve? Well, I'm going to see to it that the sinister forces of this town are paid back for this child's death. I'm going to expose the real hand behind the blackjack that murdered Jimmy Belden. Hello, Warwick. This is Miss Gilman How do you
2: do, Mr. Warwick?
3: How'd you get in, Wilson? What do you want here? I'll tell you what I want, Warwick. You and your friends decided to start a war. I just want to make sure you understand what you're letting yourself in for. Any trouble that's coming your way, Wilson, is your own lookout. We'll fight you on our columns until you're beaten. And I don't mind that. But I do mind taking it out on poor innocent kids who have to sell papers so there'll be a little more food in the house. <laughs> I haven't the slightest conception of what you're talking about. Warwick, I came up here to ask you to fight fair. You're mixed up in one case of murder already. Are you crazy? Yeah? Mr. Starr's here. Uh, 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 I, I can't talk to him. What
0: do you mean you can't talk to
3: me, Warwick? The kid kicked the bucket that mug who bumped him off out of town. Uh, well, uh, come and see me later. Goodbye. <laughs> That's just another crack brain. Yeah. Well, I guess there's no use continuing this discussion, Warwick. Thanks for giving us your valuable time. Come on, Lorelai. Well, uh, call again sometime, Wilson. And if ever you want to work for the Chronicle...
2: What impudence. I'm surprised you didn't answer him, Steve.
3: I'm much too busy for that. I want to get out of this building as fast as I can. We're heading straight for the DA's office, and after we finish our business there, you and I are going to the Chamber of Commerce dinner where we're going to throw a neat little (laughs) bombshell.
2: Toastmaster.
3: Uh, Mr. Toastmaster and ladies and gentlemen, I must at the outset confess that I'm not unprepared. I came here with the full intention of making a speech or dying in the
2: attempt.
3: I assure you that what I'm going to say isn't going to be funny. It'll be grim, stark, and tragic. But this conspiracy extends far beyond the slinking higher thug... It extends as far into the vital machinery of this city as the office of the mayor. It extends to the man who owns the property which I and my friends are aiming to condemn. To the man who paid out the money to import a hired gang of ruffians to come into Big Town and start a war. That man sits now in this room at this very table. It's his hand that really wielded the blackjack that killed Jimmy Belden. It's he who stands ready to profit again and again by the secret vice and criminality in Big Town. The district attorney has issued a warrant for this man's arrest for murder. The police officer is in this room to serve the warrant on him. I'm pointing at him now. Captain Johnson, there's your man. Dexter, I have a warrant for your arrest. Arrest? Arrest for what? For the murder of Jimmy Belton.
2: Steve, Steve, I just got a call from the city hall.
3: Yeah, what's happened down at that old mausoleum?
2: Well, at a late session of the city council, the mayor announced he's ready to approve the council's action on the North End Park condemnation. That's
3: great, Lorelei. Now, I'll tell you what I want. Now,
2: Steve Wilson, don't you think I know by heart what you want on that story?
3: All right, Lorelai, you go ahead and write the way we planned. Play it up B. Tell the people of the fine, beautiful park that'll take the place of those condemned shacks. Tell them of the trees and the flowers and the playground in the park where the children will be able to play in safety. And, oh, yes, there's just one thing. Get this phrase in where it'll count. In memoriam for Jimmy Belden, who gave his life that the children of the North End might breathe fresh air.
1: Eddie Cantor was one of the greatest names in show business for over 50 years. Here's Mr. C. during a guest appearance on the Big Show in 1950.
0: I wish I had lived in that time when men wore handlebar mustaches and the women looked like women, you know, hourglass figures with sand in both ends. (laughs) What have they got today? Plunging necklines, no sand at all, just beach. (laughs) In the old days, a man didn't dare to hope for more than a glimpse of a lady's high-button shoes as she walked by, but now, now he runs his eye over her like a Swede looking at a table full of smorgasbord. <laughs> and going to the beach, that was an occasion in those far off days. A girl had to put on bathing shoes, black stockings, bloomers, shirtwaist jersey, a hat, and carry a parasol. This morning in the Sunday paper, I saw an for the very latest French bathing suit from the Riviera. A bottle of suntan oil and a zipper. when Emerson, when Emerson meant Ralph Waldo and not Fay. <laughs> but Tallulah, Tallulah and Fred didn't have all the fun. There was another fellow in those days, the chap that Ziegfeld put into his follies. You may remember him. Came out in blackface with white rimmed glasses and pranced up and down the stage singing. <laughs> How are you gonna keep them down on the farm after they have seen Paris? <laughs> How are you gonna keep them away from Broadway, jazzing around, painting the town? How are you gonna keep them away from harm? That's a mystery. Imagine Reuben when he meets his pa. He'll kiss his cheek and holler, ooh la la. How are you gonna keep them down on the farm?
1: That's it for this edition of the Golden Days of Radio. And now here's a thought to remember. Every day, 60 million papers roll off the presses of 1,750 newspapers in the United States. No other country in the world provides as much uncensored information to its people in keeping with the democratic principle that the truth shall make you free. This is Frank Brzee in Hollywood, California, inviting you back next time for more great shows and personalities of the past. is the American Forces Radio and Television Service.